0: Everybody show me love. Let's go. Welcome
1: I in, welcome in. Happy Tuesday. You are locked in to RSVP hard hard with to Jill Monroe hard hard here hard hard on KBLA hard Talk hard 1580. Hard you know when I think about it, I played myself not going to the final lap 50 cent tour. I definitely should have taken that in. The songs that hit for 50, they hit. Those misses. They miss, in my opinion. You know, my humble opinion. But the ones that bang, they bang. Seriously, I should have gone to see 50 at the final lap tour, but I did not. Well, welcome in. You know, RSVP is the show where we hit all the trending topics across entertainment, sports, lifestyle, and culture. I, of course, am your host, Jill Monroe. It's a Tuesday. The Tuesday after Thanksgiving. I think I'm feeling it now. Like, I was all up yesterday. Today, I'm like, hmm. Feels like we're coming off of a holiday weekend, but I'm ready for tonight. I hope you are. You know, as always, we have so, so very much to get into. So let me run down what we have on the agenda tonight. We also have a guest. So that is lovely. So 50 Cent, you know how Andy does. It's not by accident that we started the show with a little fitty, little fitty. Um, 50 Cent has been going hard at Diddy ever since the announcement of his sexual assault charges and um, today in the midst of some announcements that came from Diddy, we'll get into those later, 50 has offered to buy Revolt. So we're going to get into, was he joking? Was he serious? Is it a good idea? We're going to talk about all of that. Also, We're going to get into Tina Knowles, you know, she clapped back at the Beyonce haters because y'all had a lot to say about Beyonce's appearance at the Renaissance premiere over the weekend. So we're going to get a little bit into that. Shannon Sharp, you know, Shannon and his Nightcap podcast might have overtaken Club Shay Shay. He's been chatting quite a bit. So he had some commentary on Megan the Stallion as well as what he does when a young lady enters his aura and his existence. So we're going to get into all of that. We are also going to listen. We're going to talk a little bit about Mark Cuban. There are some things happening in his mix that we're going to get into that are going to change some dynamics in the NBA. We have a Tamar Braxton update. Um, Love makes you do strange things, right? Right. And we're also going to get into a little bit of T.I. There's a follow-up. And, you know, we talk about OnlyFans a lot, but people are really getting into the bag. We're going to let you know who the top entertainers are, our own on OnlyFans, and what they are alleged to be bringing in per year. Spoiler alert, it's quite a bit. It is quite a bit. And we have a special guest. We'll be talking to him shortly. NBA champion, NCAA champion, We're not getting into him right now. Um, Antoine Walker, we're going to be talking to him. I got some questions for Antoine. He has a new documentary coming out. He has a new bourbon coming out. So we're going to talk to him about all of that. But before we get into all of that, you know, I like to start the night with a couple of conversation starters. Stories that we don't really have time to fully get into, but I want to make you aware because that's what I do. I keep you informed. So first up, Dolly Parton, you know, she performed over the weekend. Well, not on Th- it was Thanksgiving actually. It's all blending together between the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders, you know. And there were some people that were upset that Miss Dolly came out in her Dallas Cowboy cheerleader ensemble. Look that. Uniform is iconic. If you are a woman over a certain age and had an interest in football or sports, you wanted to be two things as far as like the cheerleader dancer thing. You wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader and you wanted to be a Laker girl. That's it. <laughs> Those were the epitomes. So, Whoopi Goldberg is defending the 77 year old. She let people know that the critics about her age, she told them to bite her, you know, Sonny Holston also agreed. You know, she said that she wished she looked as good as Dolly does at her current age right now. So y'all cut Dolly some slack. You know, she wrote, I will always love you. She wrote Jolene. And she's one of those ones that behind the scenes really puts in for the culture and for all people. She's great with charity. So much respect to Dolly Parton. Also, you know, everybody had jokes about Andre 3000 and his flute album, as people are referring to it as. But guess what? Andre is racking up the streams. So in its first week of release, it outsold many mainstream, so to speak, rappers with um, its streaming and sales numbers. So 24,000 were the sales numbers. Nas had 17,000 that week, Logic, 18,000. Lil TJ, I don't even know who that is. 22,000, Ice Spice, 15, Lil Wayne, 19. So you guys are taking in the ambient vibes And, you know, maybe chilling out. I think it's a good thing. I think Andre can help spread peace and love to the world. Listen, on the other side, we have NBA champion Antoine Walker joining us. And we're also going to get into these trending topics and headlines. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.
0: Infusing a sense of fun and entertainment in every episode. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. More when we come forward.
1: Welcome back in. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So I told you we have a guest tonight. I'm very excited to welcome him behind the velvet ropes into VIP status. He is a... NBA All-Star, an NBA champion, the sixth pick of the 1996 NBA draft. So much more. We're going to talk to him about his upcoming documentary. He has a bourbon. And, of course, you know me. I got questions about what is going on this season, this in-season tournament that I'm still unclear about, plus a lot of other things. Welcome in Antoine Walker. Thank you for joining us, Antoine.
2: Man, thank you for having me. This is uh a... about time. We finally got the connection together. I like that.
1: I know. It's been a minute, but I'm glad that it worked out and we are locked in now. So um, thank you for staying up late. It is appreciated. How are you in general? How are, How is life? How are things?
2: Things are great, man. Just here in Chicago and, and enjoying life. Just got to enjoy Thanksgiving with the family and um, feeling good you know, enjoying the season, just getting, you know, this is a good time of year. It is a good time of year. Football's going, basketball's
1: kicking into overdrive. I mean, I suppose there's some other sports out there that you could pay attention to, (laughs) but why would you? Um, So listen, before I get into you, I have a question for you. Does this in-season tournament make sense? Because I kind of don't understand the purpose of it outside of, you know, a little extra money grab with more eyes in vegas do people
2: really care well i'm gonna be honest i think you know the the, the perception was that the season was a little boring and needed had a little excitement to it um, it's not really a money grab don't get me wrong i don't want to devalue a dollar but when you really think about guys now i making 30 40 50 million dollars a year so i don't think it's really a money grab, I think, it's something to try to make it more exciting. Maybe they feel like the fan base wanted it. This is a, a, a I think, this comes from overseas of my history and everything. Serves me correctly. They do this a lot in um, overseas and have these little tournaments um, throughout the season. I just think it's bad for the league. I'm not a big component of it. I'm not a big fan of it because the records. Uh, we work guys work so hard to play a typical. Eight preseason, eighty-two game season, and the records are the same. So now you got these records, and guys may play their best basketball, but they put into this tournament now, so they won't count for their individual because you're still playing a regular season schedule. So it's just a lot of just, as a basketball guy, I'm a junkie. I, uh, uh, you know, what I mean, I'm a huge basketball fan as well as playing the game. I love everything about the game. I just don't like this part of it. It's not. A, I'm not a big fan of it. But if it's to provide excitement, if we have to give everything a chance, we'll see what happens when we get down to, like, the Final Four and see if the fans get into it and everybody's involved in it and they play for these Cups. Let's see if they like it. Um, so the jury's still out.
1: Okay, we'll see. I mean, I was down on the um, playing tournament, but that's been good the past couple of years. So we'll have to see what happens. So you mentioned the money, what the money is right now with these, with the current players. Do you think with NIL, those numbers increasing for college players, do you think there will be a slowdown as far as players wanting to make the jump to the league because they're already making for some NBA money, you know, they might not make that much money as they're making through NIL when they get to the league?
2: I think that's the hope. I think the NCAA realizes that um, you get guys leaving school one and done, and, and it kind of kills the game, and the talent doesn't, you know, you know, turn over as good. So I think it will help the college game because guys are now being able to make money, take care of families. All I can do is think about from when I came in the league. I mean, when I went to college, when I went to college at seventeen, I had my I had a child my senior year. So, obviously, I needed money. I need to be able to take care of my, my child. So, I understand it from that point of view because guys are going to have situations that come up at 17 to 18 years old that some people may not understand, but it happens in life. And it happened to me. I had a kid when I was 17 years old on my way to college, and obviously I needed money to be able to take care of my kids. So, I'm trying to get my mentality changes. It doesn't go for it goes to now. I'm trying to figure out how fast I can get into college and, play at a high level and hopefully get to the league. I mean, your mentality changes. So, I think you can go both ways. I do like the fact that the players are getting paid for their image and likeness um because the universities do make so much money off the players and when they're in school, so the the fact that the players are able to make some money off their names I think is great. And some guys just not going to make it. So, some guys that come out and be a you got to think about this. Some guys come out and be a big name High school guy that goes to college, but he may not make it to the pro. Right. But but because he's a big name high school guy, he may be able to make a million dollars. I mean, in you a rage, couple years. You you, know I mean, that's a great
1: point. I I was looking at the numbers for the top ten list. So Bronny is on top at five million. Shador is next, four point five million. Libby Dunn is three point three. Arch Manning and Caleb Williams are tied at four point two. And then it's like Travis Hunter, Angel Reese. The thing that stuck out to me about that list, though, is there's three legacy athletes on there. And you look at the NBA, there's so many players that are in it currently whose fathers played in it. I'm sure that you have former teammates that you're watching their kids come up now in college in AAU. Do you think the league is turning into a legacy
2: league? Oh, uh, It can. Um, I think you, we have to see it. I think you still have to. It's still very limited spots, even though they've extended the rosters to 15. And you know, we see certain you know teams keep the 15 guys now. And you know, you, obviously you got the the G League and those things. So you got situations that make everything where you can be very profitable. But I think also I think you got to put it in perspective. We don't want to lose um, the fact that it's still very hard to make it to the league. It's still very hard for. It's going to be a unique set of individuals that make it to that next level. So we still got to put it in that perspective. Don't forget about that. It is more opportunities for guys to make money, but to be in that league and to be a part of that roster and contribute and, you know, play 15 years and those things are still going to be very hard to come by. Fact. Even though it's a lot of other things, because you can go overseas. I mean, obviously you could play in the, in the, in the G league. And I mean, it's a lot of other things that you could do to make money. But to be able to be in that league and to get that full package that comes with the NBA, it's still going to be very limited. Okay,
1: okay. Well, thank you for, you know, satisfying my curiosity on all of that stuff. Now I want to (laughs) talk about you. Um, So you have a documentary that you're working on, right? A lot of people Uh are familiar with certain aspects of your story. But what do you think is the biggest misconception as far as you and your career and sort of the journey that you've taken is?
2: Well, I think the biggest misconception, and kind of fast forward, I think people have a misconception of how I lost my money. Um, I was going through a situation in Vegas where I had a bad week and and exceeded my credit line, and they wanted their money back in 45 days. I wanted a deal on it, and people think, oh, he lost his money gambling and those things. No, I I did what – Typical people doing the world. I was a part of the real estate game in 2008, went through the recession. Um, I put it pretty much in my financial portfolio into the real estate game. And whether it was a, the right move or bad move, it went bad for me in a span for four years from oh, 2008 to 2012. So it's just one of those situations that happens. Obviously, you never want it the way, but the media is going to always portray it the way they want to portray it to make it look how they want to look at it. Um, but I've worked really hard over the last, I would say, five to six years and just trying to recreate my image, recreate the situation, turn my situation into a um, a learning situation for a lot of young guys that make it to the lead, that make a lot of money, that we venture off into business ventures and things of that nature. So I've tried really hard to try to change the narrative about that, and that's been my goal. And, and I'm going to continue to try to fight for that to make sure that Every You know, guys can still be out here and feel free to invest and still do certain things that they want to do in their life, whether it's not just, say, on the court, off the court as well. So that's really been my goal over the last four to five years, on top of um, trying to regain my name and let people understand that wasn't the case. But with social media and the way things are covered now, you know, sometimes it's hard to, you know, to protect yourself because everybody has an opinion.
1: Right, and everybody has, a, you know, a platform, so to speak. So in thinking about that kind of what you went through, right, do you think that with this next generation of players coming up, they relate or understand? Because you are obviously probably the help or the guidance maybe that you wish you had at that point in time. Who knows? But do you think that it's resonating because you know how you are when you're young and like you hear stuff, but sometimes it goes through. Do you think that some of the past transgressions that happened, you know, with you through that or others that you've seen, do you think that is sinking in or do you think sometimes
2: it's more experience is going to be the best teacher for most? Well, I think it's changed now. I think one, and and not to you know continue to put myself in it, but I think having ex-players that went through some financial difficulties, I'm a part of the Players Association as far as uh, financial literacy team. I've been doing it now for the last three and a half, four years. And so I get to share my story with the guys, which is very therapeutic, but also it's great because I get to be back in front of my peers and just tell them my story and tell them some of the mistakes that I made. So I think That's one thing that I do love about the NBA and the Players Association, that we're now involving guys that have went through some hardship, went through some situations to help these young guys, because the money's totally different now. These guys are coming in making way more money than we can ever imagine. And we made a lot of money. So to be able to share stories, just to give them some warning, just to give them something to think about as they go through their financial journey. Everybody's going to be different. Everybody's situation is different. But the the more that we can share with each other internally, it helps a lot of guys. Because everybody wants to help their family a certain way. They want to help their friends. They want to be their family. And your family dynamics change from year to year. Some guys have kids after their third, fourth year in the league. They get married five or six years in the league. I mean, it's a lot of things that go on that changes your financial situation and your family dynamics. So I try to be that you know that kind voice that, listen, you're going to go through this. And you got to remember, basketball players, well, every, well, I would say most sports guys, you retire at a very young age. I mean, everybody's not a LeBron James. Everybody's not a Kobe Bryant that can play 20-plus years. Everybody's not that. So you got to think, you're going to retire mid-30s. you got to think you're coming in at 18, 19. You play 15, 16-year career. You're going to retire early 30s, 30, 35. So you got a lot of life to live. So it's about preparing guys for those type of situations. And when you're nineteen and twenty years old, you don't think about being thirty five, retiring. You just enjoying life. So that's where I try to come in at, keep it real, type of type of conversation. And just put something on their brain. You know, these guys are they're smart, they're intelligent. Most of these guys are hiring great financial people, but you still want to put some realistic stuff on their brain. And that's why I come in and, and try to be a little different.
1: Facts. I know that they appreciate it. So what do you think are the top three areas that um you talk to them about protecting themselves in? And is it much different from let's say which you would have wanted someone to talk to you about when you were um in their same position?
2: Well, I think one you want I think one thing you first the first and foremost, you wanna create this lifestyle that you're gonna be able to maintain for the rest of your life. So whatever it is, that's your your family dynamic to um, your own personal spending habits and things of that nature. So you want to create this lifestyle that you're going to be able to maintain for the rest of your life. So that's the first and foremost thing you want to kind of get in front of guys and try to help them understand as they continue to make this type of money that they're making. And then after that, it's about generational wealth. I think one thing that we don't talk about enough is generational wealth. You know, we're making enough money to have money for our kids, their kids, and their kids. That's the type of money that these guys are making now. When you see guys now, when you see this summer what these guys are going to sign for, a $300 million contract, you're gonna, these guys are making enough money for, you know, multiple, you know, couple generations now. But don't you so think that people to, thought
1: yeah. that about you,
2: that... Well, yeah, of course. I mean, at that time, I mean, I was a guy that, you know, if I signed a 6-year, my biggest deal was a 6-year $71 million deal. So I was I mean, you got to think about that in hindsight, you know, but you also when you get that money, you create a lifestyle or you add to a lifestyle that's already existing, and you have to think, think about, hey, I may be done at 35, 36 years old. I got to make sure. So I think the great thing that I love about the NBA Players Association what we got going on now is that you're bringing guys back like myself that have been through it, that understand it. We're getting in front of these guys. We're giving them as much education as we can. We're giving them um, situations that they never felt, that they have never seen before. And you see some guys have very successful stories, and then you see some guys have some stories that have not been successful.
1: Facts. We had Derek Anderson on. um, That was your teammate in Miami, yes?
2: Oh, yeah. And and he's
1: and college and he's part of the players association he was talking to us about the mental health side so um it's really your generation that's ushering in that change i think that's important to mention because we don't talk about it enough but you guys i feel are there for players in not that the generation above you wasn't there but i think it's a different way it's impacting them in a different sort of way it's more connected
2: oh without oh without question I think when guys are able to see you go through trials and tribulations, we just talked about I went through a huge bankruptcy and had to basically restart my life, reset my life, and people see you land on your feet. That speaks volumes to guys to know that, hey, you can make a few mistakes and and still land on your feet. But also just being aware. I think us coming back, the more guys you can come back and share their financial stories, and it's a lot of great stories out there. I think, obviously, we don't want to forget about this. A lot of great financial stories out there. The guys did a lot of great things with their money. But it's also some stories out there, some guys' uh, lack of education, not knowing. Um, And I think we try to figure out how we can be best fit to help these young guys out. And they're going to still do what they want to do. They still have their own family dynamics. They still have their own things they want to do. But at least if you put these things in front of them and let them at least have options and understand and learn from other guys' mistakes, I think that's going to help. You're going to hear more success stories than, than bad stories.
1: Well, when we come forward on the other side, I want to hear more about the doc. I want to know about the bourbon. I'm not a bourbon drinker, but I might be persuaded. (laughs) Um, And I want to ask you about the lifestyle because I feel like that is something that we talk about, but we don't realize how much it can impact things. So we're going to get into that when we come forward. You're locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. I bet you think you're stumping me, huh, Andy? Okay, I was like, just so we know. This is cheers to you, playa. Rest in peace, static major. It goes down. Welcome back into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. We are joined by our guest, NBA champion Antoine Walker, Thank you, Antoine. So you have a documentary that you're working on. You said that it is going to shed light on some of the misconceptions about you. What made you decide that you wanted to share your story? And, you know, you've talked quite a bit, not quite a bit, that's not how I mean it, but you've talked to people about your story and what you went through as far as your finances. Are you going to be opening up other aspects of your life with this documentary?
2: Well, yeah, obviously, I think it's kind of like a, a tell-all type of situation, just to let my story out. I think everybody's situation is totally different. But I think the misconception, because at the same time, when I was going through my financial hardship, I went through a situation in Vegas where I lost um, a, a bunch of money in Vegas, and people thought, oh, he gambled his money away. And it was very a very small fraction of the money that I lost, a super small fraction, So I wanted, I felt really bad about it. I wanted to kind of clear the air. I didn't like the verbiage and the things that were being said about me. And I basically just sat down and was like, you know what, I'm going to just turn my situation into a learning tool for other athletes uh, so they can learn from my mistakes. And that's basically what spearheaded me. And I've been able to um, be in great situations um, from Morgan Stanley's Global Sports and Entertainment giving me an opportunity to be in front of student athletes and then over the last three years to be back in front of my peers has been um, very therapeutic as well as great for me so I look at all those things and I think it just worked out to a situation where my story has been a learning tool for a lot of guys I think me being open and um, honest about my situation and and the trials and tribulations that I went through um, hopefully it's helping a lot of young guys hopefully I'm bringing some shedding some light to guys that are you know, that are young, that are getting money at 18, 19 years old and become millionaires and being able to navigate through this this whole system of having money at a very young age. So, um, I just didn't like with social media. Obviously, you know, in this, in this day and age, you know, people can put all type of things out about you. I just thought it was very important for me to tell my story the right way and the the only way. And that's what I've been trying to do over the last five or six years. And, um, hopefully I've been very helpful to a lot of young guys and y'all young athletes and i'm going to continue to push and try to do that we'd
1: well, we love to see that um we have a youtube stream that goes along with the show and there is a salam thompson in the chat he said shout out to my high school teammate he's not talking about me <laughs> so
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing he really must have went to mount carmel well, he must be a caravan okay okay that's a- he must be a caravan. Yeah, if he, if he if he said high school teammates, so either that or on the AAU circuit. So, uh, I mean, that's good. I mean, I've always had much love from from Chicagoans, so I'm always good to hit see my Chicagoans still support me.
1: Okay, we would love to hear that. So, I was asking you a little bit about the lifestyle because, especially now with social media, I mean, I think you you know you had like MySpace and Facebook probably caught, yeah. you know, you were getting there with Twitter and Instagram, but... I ain't that old. Don't do me like that. <laughs> know, I'm Hello. joking. I'm joking. I don't mean it like that. But when I say that is, like, you think about what Instagram is right now and TikTok, you think about, like, what's mm. the guy from OKC, Josh Giddy, I think that's his yes. name. He just got caught up with some potential, you know, sketch accusations and that nature. And we've seen things where, you know, people have photographed, recorded things that probably shouldn't have made the light of day and have put different athletes in predicaments, you know, John Morant, we could talk about that or things like that. Uh-huh. So how do you talk to them about those type of pressures? Because obviously, like I said, you you might have been getting it in on the Facebook or the MySpace,
2: but it's a little different now, No. Well, I think I think when you look at, and it's great because you said that about John Morant's situation and things of that nature, I think, you know, obviously these guys, young guys, and I think they should have social media training. I think that's something the league should do. Um, when you're in your personal space and you're going out in public and you enjoy your life, you know, you got to put the phones down. Everything ain't for the public. I mean, you can't stop somebody else from pulling out their phone if you're out in public, but your own self. You see a lot of guys self-conflicting these wounds to their self they're videotaping themselves or their friends, people that are supposed to be in their corner that are videotaping them. And I think that's where the problem lies, that we still got to have a personal life. I'm not saying that we're going to always be out doing something negative, um, but maybe it may be negative to the world, but it's positive to what you like to do in your life. And uh, so I just think we have to put that in perspective as, as young, af- young athletes got to do is stop putting everything on social media, stop broadcasting everything you do in your life. You don't have to. That's not the way you remember. Ain't nothing wrong with taking a picture. Maybe nice. save a picture back in the day. I, I wish I had pictures from back in the day when I was out partying. We
1: Indeed. didn't think
2: about taking a phone out. We didn't have camera phones in the beginning.
1: And it would have been I mean? considered <laughs> tacky. Can you imagine if you were at a party in 2000 somewhere and a girl busted out her um, was trying to flick a picture of you on her sidekick, you would be mad. You
2: oh, like. yeah. yeah, you wouldn't never you would have never did that. So I, I just think it comes both ways. I think that's what it's that's where sometimes it's been a celebrity and I wouldn't just say NBA players it's been a celebrity. It's hard to go out sometimes in public because you want to be yourself, you want to enjoy yourself, enjoy whatever venue you at. But we do have to be smart. Everything is, is documented now. Um a lot of people are you know, your livelihood you know, kinda of requires you to to do things the right way and not be in, in certain situations. So I think we have to, you know, abide by those rules, especially with the NBA. And I feel so bad. And I spoke on Fox TV about John Moran's situation. I got robbed at gunpoint. I've been in a situation where I've had some situations in the streets and I, I, I see a situation. And, you know, I wish I would have had an opportunity to reach out to him personally and just tell him it's the way you go about doing it. feel bad for him. This is a young, talented, one of the most talented players we got in the NBA that has to miss fifty games. That's lost a bunch of money. That's betrayed a certain way. Has lost endorsements. And I'm pretty sure he's not that guy. But you know, when your friends and people around you that supposedly love you want to pull their phones out and videotape you in a vulnerable moment when you're having a good time and you you know you're impaired and you're not a hundred percent, that's not cool. And I'm pretty sure he's you know obviously he probably regrets it, but it, it, it happens. But those are the type of things we wish that wouldn't happen, but. You know, that's what you got your – we call them OGs or old guys that have been in the league. You try to help the young guys out to help them understand that because you don't never want to be put in that situation.
1: Absolutely not. Well, when we come forward, we are going to get the final rundown from Antoine Walker when we can – Look forward to this documentary where we can pick up the bourbon because you got to give me some details about that and much, much more, of course, with our trending topics and headlines. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA.
0: back to more captivating conversation on RSVP with Jill Monroe.
1: You were locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA talk 1580. Antoine, thank you so much for hanging out with us. So when can we expect the documentary and where can we get the bourbon?
2: (laughs) Well, the documentary is something I've been working on for a long time, just to give you a little backstory. So, um, as we was talking about earlier in the interview, it was a lot of negativity and people putting false stories out about how I, you know, found my bankruptcy and some of the things that went on through my NBA career through my life. So I shot the documentary to kind of clear the air. And in the process of that, I, I was very fortunate to get picked up by Morgan Stanley's global sports and entertainment. So they bought the documentary from me and we basically went on an educational tour Across the country, so I've been in about seventy to eighty universities across the country, sharing my story with student athletes, That's
0: trying amazing. to help
2: them as they prepare, as they prepare for the um, whether it's the NBA, NFL. So it was a great learning experience, very therapeutic for me personally. Um, Want to give a big shout out to Drew Hawkins, who was at Global Sports and Entertainment, a brother from DC, who believed in me and believed in my story and thought I could be impactful to a lot of youth. So. Um, I was very fortunate for that. And one thing he did, he made sure that he gave me my documentary back after we finished our relationship with, with Morgan Stanley. So oh, wow. I've been wanting to put this out, being able to share it with everybody in the world. It was kind of putting the bubble a little bit, putting the little, a little bottle. So now everybody's getting a chance to get a chance to see it. So hopefully in the spring okay. um it's going to come out. Uh, we still have a few interviews that I want to do because obviously I'm in a different space that I was um, back then. So I want to add a few extra interviews cause I, I still believe I'm doing good work in the community and still doing, I'm um, doing a lot of great things. So I want to add a few more interviews and things to the documentary. So we're looking at the spring uh, for it to come out for the world again. Um trying to find the right partners, but the interest has been great. Uh, people are really, um, I'm very overwhelmed by the interest of, in my story and me being able to tell my story. I don't want to give um, anything out, You know, out the way, that that, that may not happen, but we got a few people on the table that's willing to put this out and get it to the world, but it's been great. We're still a couple interviews short, um, but we ain't missing a beat. Everybody that's been a part of my life, from family, friends, to people that have been uh, over the last 10 years of my life are going to be involved in this documentary. It's going to be great, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I got a lot of heart and soul into this and trying to make it as real as possible and just make it a learning tool. Um, for a lot of people
1: well we can't wait to see it that is amazing that you were able to spread a message like that to so many student athletes across the country and of course before i let you go what's up with the bourbon so i am not a bourbon drinker convince <laughs> me
2: <laughs> uh well let, let me just say this. so the bourbon is very a very uh unique situation so i'm, I'm a cigar smoker um i smoke cigars a lot um And usually you pair cigars with bourbons and scotches and those things. So that's how I came about the bourbon. But the bourbon came from a season ticket holder um, in Boston. Uh, She watched me play in my career. She was starting a bourbon, and she basically hit me with an opportunity of a lifetime to be a part of her bourbon. And if I was willing to be able to be kind of a spokesperson for it, and I jumped on the opportunity because I do love bourbons. Um, I love smoking cigars and it just pairs really well. So okay. it's no like underlying deep secret to it. It's just one of those situations that I've been smoking cigars for, you know, last 15, 16 years of my life on a golf course and just casually. And it just gave me an opportunity to be a part of something special. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it launching and coming out. Um, hopefully it'll be out in the next six to eight weeks and everybody get an opportunity to hear about it.
1: Okay, bourbon, cigars, golf. I like that. <laughs> that, sounds like, yeah. you know, that sounds like gold. That sounds like golf. So listen, I, I'm an old man now. I'm an old man. Now. <laughs> you relax, I'm you an re- old man because I yeah. you know, secretly, I think I can say this comfortably. I, I have seen you shimmy in the club a time or two back in the day. Oh, you, yeah, got yeah, 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 yeah. you got your big one on. You got your big one on. It was definitely <laughs> no, a party when like you stepped in the building. I
2: still No, I still like to go out ahead of music and what's going on from time to time, but you know I'm a, I'm a little older, a little bit more reserved, so okay. I can do it a more chill, chill, relaxed
1: atmosphere. Okay, okay. I accept that. We actually do have a caller that called in that would like to speak with you, Dale, from Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. Dale, you're on the line with Antoine. Welcome to RSVP.
0: Well, thank you very much. Uh, I just have a few suggestions. First of all, uh, you know, it's probably, uh, well, let's put it this way. For me to go ahead and tell someone how to spend their money, that's kind of that would be presumptuous on my part. But one thing that could be done is that the players' associations from the basketball, football, um, baseball, heck, even hockey, can go to the NCAA and demand that a curriculum be developed to go ahead and teach these athletes how to manage their business. For example, when you go to medical school or before you go to medical school, you have to take prerequisites on the undergrad level to qualify for medical school. Well, you should be able to take prerequisites, even though you can't force a person to go to a class. They said, well, look, if you take these classes here, by the time you graduate, you will have a degree in this area in regards to sports administration or whatever, and you will be able to go ahead and to handle your business or to be able to be management in the event if you're not able to make it to the pros, you know, and something like that could be enforced because the NCAA has been making millions off these athletes and have not been educating these athletes. Even if an athlete chooses to go ahead and leave after two years, okay, that's on them, but still and yet to have these programs laid out with remedial classes because you know they're not re- prepared even when they get uh come out of high school either you know to go ahead and to get them possible get them prepared for the best possible outcome with classes with lectures coming in from uh this is what the agent does and have an agent uh, sports agents come in same with attorneys you know or managers you know have a full curriculum for these student athletes, so they can become student
2: businessmen. That's my suggestion. Oh, I, I um, and hopefully I can. Jill, can I respond to that? Absolutely, I would love for it. Um, I think that's a great qu. I think that's a great question. I think that's a great idea. Um, I think it should be a part of the electives. Um, I'm not, you know, obviously you got to take your curriculums and your, 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 core classes, but I think it should be a part of it. Uh, for athletes, it probably should be mandatory. Um, I would have loved that type of course, um, uh, coming out of school from way back then. Um, I think, you know, and I, I can even thumb it down to where I, I, I will tell you, you're making a lot of sense is that. Um, I didn't understand taxes coming in. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know a million dollars wasn't a million dollars. My first year, I made one point six million, and eight hundred thousand went to taxes. That blew me for. I, I couldn't understand that. <laughs> no, so that I know that hurt. Knew, I, <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of like. So what you're saying it makes a it makes a great sense. Um, whether or not they pick up on it and whether or not they do it, that remains to be seen. I think um, obviously it's a it's a great idea. It needs to be brought to the forefront. I think it will make um our kids a lot better, especially, you know, what I mean, um, you know, a lot of our kids that are making their pro and, and most athletes are, you know, African Americans that are not their parents don't come from a lot. So sometimes you don't even get to those type of conversations at home. So they gotta be taught too. So I think it's, it it can go way deeper than I think it's a great idea. Um and it's something that needs to be acted on. I think that's a great question. It needs to be something that that we need to try to pursue because it's definitely a lack of education. I was, I didn't have a lack I of all. Of, I didn't have do. all the knowledge. Yeah, so you got to figure out what to do. Yeah, that's why um, you
0: know, and it would have to be something that would have to be, quite frankly, pushed by all of the major uh, sports unions, uh, the football, uh, basketball, even well, really all the sports, because it goes beyond even being a matter of. Uh, a black and white issue, it's an athlete issue where you got white athletes unprepared once they come out of the pros. They have maybe a better chance. They may know some people or have some people that may pull them to the side and look out for them a little bit more than maybe some of the black athletes, but they're faced with the same situations. And when they come out of college at whatever level, they're incompetent in terms of handling their business. It's like a musician, I mean, it's like the entertainment industry. You know, there's emphasis on show, but not the business. And as a result, musicians get taken, take advantage of it. It's the same thing with the athletes. There's a, there's a emphasis on the sports program aspect of it, but not the business aspect of it. And that's what I wanted to suggest.
2: I wasn't trying to I appreciate it. No, it's definitely not And if you don't mind, I'm definitely going to steal it. I mean, I have a voice and help put together a program to be in front of these guys. So I definitely have a voice. I don't have a deep voice to, to go take it to the collegiate level, but I am. I do work a part of the players' association and has a voice in trying to help our young guys make better decisions. So I think that's 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 a great um, suggestion. I think obviously it has to be played all the way through. Um, but it takes, you no, know, not only said myself, but it takes other athletes stepping up that have got to remember when they was 18, 19, 20 years old, just coming into the league and how unaware they was of how, how a value of a dollar. And I think once we start to do that, we'll help each other out, and that that thing passes down from generation to generation. So I do personally appreciate that. You just put some on my head personally. To, to bring up, then, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, you, never can, you know, never can make anybody do anything, but ain't nothing wrong with suggesting some things that can possibly be helpful, so thank you for that.
1: Amazing, Dale. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you for contributing to the cause. Antoine, thank you for taking the time out to call in. Uh, you have to let everybody know where they can find you on social media.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm under Antoine Walker, but it might be 8, no, I mean, sorry, at Antoine Walker 8 or Walker Antoine. You know, people steal your names. You know, I got a common name. I don't really play with my name. So, um, But I got the blue – I got the, the confidential blue checks finally put on my name. So you can find me on that. But uh appreciate you having me on your show. Um, you you got to oh, exactly. come back. You're not going to get off that easy. You got to come back. Yeah. Doc is coming back. I'm coming your way once we got the little – we're going to have our little city uh, – promo tours we coming your way you so got I'm it you to, got to yes i need you to help you support it i need me help help me support my doc and everything it's gonna be great we in like i would say we 65 percent finished. uh we still want some interviews we got some guests some, some special guests that we want to be a part of it but we're 65 finished i can't wait to it come out and get to share my story with the world um You know, hopefully it'll be a learning tool for a lot of people. It's not made to be something that I'm embarrassed about. I just want to share it, get it out there, and make it a learning tool for a lot of young athletes that come up in this league and and for our culture. Facts. Um, I can't wait to see it. Just another learning tool for our culture and things that we go through. Uh, So I'm excited about it. Uh, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. And the next conversation we're going to have, we're going to be talking about at a theater or on this this uh, network. That will be the next conversation. For
1: sure. I can't wait because, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of questions about all of that, too. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your night. Um, I appreciate it, Antoine. When we come forward, oh, we're going <laughs> to get into more trending topics, more headlines. I'm going to get to the 50 Cent story because I think there's a missing element that people aren't aware of. Plus, we have... You know, phone calls, we're going to get into Miss Tina Knowles and her comments about Beyonce. She's not playing with y'all on her baby. All of that and more, you are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.